Shravia, remember how only about a week ago we were struggling to come up with content for our listeners because of the lack of action in the tennis world? Wow, that seems like a very long time ago, but now we can't even catch a break. Yesterday, there were 89 matches going on. It's impossible to keep track. I guess we had 89 problems, but content ain't one anymore. Hello everyone and welcome to Hold On To Your Racket, the podcast for Gen Z tennis fans. We're your hosts, Stravia and Josefina. Josefina and I are so excited to be creating this podcast and sharing our love for tennis with you all. Stravia and I are two high school gals and tennis fanatics united together by our on-the-court and off-the-court companionship. And we're the young female voices in modern-day tennis you've been looking for, so we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more. All right, welcome back to Hold On To Your Racket. We've been gone for, like, a little longer than we wanted to be gone for, but Josephine and I have both had pretty busy weeks the past week, so we apologize for not releasing an episode. But I gotta say, we're gonna get to this in a bit, but with the amount of action going on in the tennis world and with the recent news today about the pause of play tomorrow... Today is kind of like the perfect time for us to be recording because it can we can catch up. Um, but either way, Josephina, how have you been? Um, just like you said, busy. But when it came to podcasting, I guess you could say we went into hibernating for a bit. But um, <laughs> that's basically what's been up. <laughs> I mean, speaking of hibernating, I know we had a snowstorm here a couple of days ago. Oh my god. So goodness. that was pretty that was pretty fun. We had a couple snow days. But that was nice. I think it's kind of funny the fact that it's been snowing so hard outside over here and they're playing the Melbourne Summer Series. The fact that all this is going on at the same time is just crazy, especially considering all that's going on in Australia right now. I mean, starting off with the fact that all the tournaments, all of them, because there's so many, paused due to a positive case within the staff of um, a hotel, a quarantine hotel that they were using. I mean, like, talking about all the tournaments, on the WTA side, we have the Yarra Valley Classic, the Gippsland Trophy, and the Grampians Trophy. And these, the Grampians Trophy was organized specifically for hard quarantine players. And on the ATP side, we have three more, the Great Ocean Road Open, and Murray River Open, and the ATP Cup. So these are all a bunch of things going on at the same time. So behind the tournament pause, so on February 3rd, a security guard at the Australian Open Quarantine Hotel tested positive. Um, he had tested negative on January 29th, but then... A recent test came back positive. So Tennis Australia and um, Victorian health authorities said that they are acting with, quote, an abundance of caution. That's in the words of the Victoria State Premier, Daniel Andrews. So 500 to 600 players and officials have been deemed, quote unquote, casual contacts of the security guard who tested positive. And all of them must now isolate. Um, and all matches in Melbourne for tomorrow, February 4th, have been canceled. Um, and, you know, they have to remain in isolation until they get a negative test result. Um, and everyone in the city 
must wear a mask indoors now. So they're taking this super seriously. They're acting with a lot of caution. Um, it is important to note that this is in reference to all the players who were part of the Melbourne 14-day quarantine. So I believe it technically doesn't include the Adelaide people, but I could be wrong about that. But they specified specifically for the Melbourne quarantine players and officials. Um, so, you know, play is paused tomorrow. Um, the Australian Open said they'll announce a schedule update soon, but one day of play being paused could actually be pretty consequential for the whole Australian Open swing. Yeah, because all this is happening so close together and it's also consolidated due to the huge delay we had at the beginning of the year. Because um, the Australian Open is set to start on Monday, February 8th, and with this scheduling delay that comes with all these tournaments going on right now, these tournaments going into the Australian Open might not be able to complete in time for the start of the Australian Open. And Andrews said regarding the Australian Open, at this stage, no impact on the tournament proper. So until Wednesday, as per ESPN, kind of to give you a scope of not only the state of the pandemic right now, but more specifically how the state of Victoria and Tennis Australia is responding to this positive case. Until Wednesday, as per ESPN's reporting, the state of Victoria, quote-unquote, had gone 28 days without a case involving local transmission. So, obviously, this one case is big news, um, but it is just one case. So, Andrew said, this is one case. There's no need for people to panic. There's no need for people to be alarmed. We Victorians know what to do, and we have proven as a state very successful at managing these sorts of outbreaks, these sorts of issues. So, I mean, I think it's admirable to see how seriously Tennis Australia and the state of Victoria are both taking this situation. Um, I think the players feel thankful and safe, too. Um, It's really, you know, at this point, hopefully that individual is going to be healthy. We don't have more spread, but there's definitely um, questions in the air now about scheduling. So next up on the hot headlines list, we have some news about Diana Rusty. Yastremska, Diana Rust. Yes, oh gosh, Diana Yastremska. I got it. Josephina, aren't you Russian? Like, shouldn't you be able to pronounce I'm your sorry, Ukrainian I'm, name? I'm not trying. I don't even know what's going on. My tongue is just not <laughs> working with me today. Um. <laughs> anyways, on the topic of Diana, we'll just use the first name. She lost her appeal to the court of arbitration for sport regarding her drug case. She is. Definitely someone who's been known to be controversial on multiple occasions. She's known for taking many medical timeouts, and that's, of course, regarded in the game of tennis as a bit unsportsmanlike. And also her extremely controversial (laughs) equality post this summer. That was, well, that was interesting, you know. It's nice to have a good message going out in those times that um, there was so much activism around this topic, but um, that was probably <laughs> the most tone-deaf little <laughs> social media little... I don't even know what to call it. It was just <laughs> unfortunate. Anyways, in January, she failed an out-of-competition drug test. She tested positive for a testosterone-boosting steroid, and as a result of that, was suspended from competition. So here's what the, where the story gets even weirder. Yastremska was hoping to be able to play in the Australian Open, so she flew to Melbourne 
thinking that she'd be allowed to play. Um, I believe she came along with Svetlana Kuznetsova. And recently, she appealed to the Court of Arbitration for Sport to ask for her provisional penalty to be nulled and to be removed, but they rejected her appeal. And this was after she had already requested for it to be removed before the formal appeal. So she tried, but it didn't work out, so she remains suspended. She will not be allowed to play um, so in the Australian what's Open. What's she doing in Melbourne now? <laughs> Uh, she said she would promise to pay back all the fees from the hotel and stuff, but I, it's just such a weird situation. I, like, don't understand why she thought she'd be allowed to play and, like, decided to hop on a plane. <laughs> all for nothing. Like, I'm here now, now deal with me. <laughs> well, we'll see where, where this case goes. We'll keep you updated, but um, definitely quite a bit going on in Melbourne at the moment. As we already mentioned a bit earlier in this episode, there are a lot of tennis-related tournaments. Well, this is a tennis podcast. What other tournaments <laughs> would they be? The tennis Super Bowl? We know nothing about football. Honestly. Like, I didn't even know the Super Bowl was happening until I saw, like, there was a tweet that went viral on Twitter that was like, someone said that the question isn't if Tom Brady is the greatest football player ever. It's the question of whether he's the greatest American athlete ever. And everyone was like, excuse me, sir, have you forgotten about Serena Williams? So that's the only reason that I saw it on my feed. And I was like, yeah, definitely they're right about the Serena Williams thing, but also I just like did not know that the Super Bowl was like happening. I swear, I thought the Super Bowl was like in either November or August. <laughs> just, <laughs> those are not close together, but I thought it was somewhere in that area. This definitely is why we not. started a uh, tennis podcast, not a football podcast, or like any other sport for that matter. Uh, yeah. I mean, Shravia, did you hear about that guy that took the brown-looking pointy cone ball and <laughs> threw it down the green field? Oh my goodness! During um summer camp, Josephine and I go to the same. Like we play tennis together. There were some days where, like, our coaches are, like, really into baseball. Or at least, like, one of them who was, like, leading the summer camp was, like, really into baseball. So they made us play. They were like, you know what's a great idea? Let's play wiffle ball for our warm-up tonight. I was like, you have got to be kidding me right now. And they, like, had a tee set up, too. And I was like, I can't play wiffle ball for the life of me. Like, even if there's a tee, like, I can't do it. And it was so embarrassing. I, like, literally, like, pretended I had to go to the bathroom and sit in the bathroom for, like, a solid (laughs) ten minutes because I didn't want to play wiffle ball. I was like, I'm here for tennis. I'm not here for any other sport. Agreed. All right, back to the topic at hand, um, the (laughs) tournaments in Melbourne. So the first one we're going to talk about is WTA Melbourne 1, or also known as the Yarra Valley Classic. This is a WTA 500-level event, as we talked about in our previous episode, I believe in our WTA season recap. The WTA is adopting um, the uh, naming protocol like the ATP with the 250s, 500s, 1000s, so the Yarra Valley Classic or WTA Melbourne 1 is a WTA 500. So where are we right now? So the quarterfinals have been set. Our quarterfinals are Ash Barty, the number one seed versus Shelby Rogers, Danielle Collins, the number 13th seed versus Serena Williams, who's the fifth seed, Marketa Vondrosova, the eighth seed versus Nadia Podoroska, 14th seed, and lastly, Garbinia Muguruza, who's the sixth seed, versus Sophia Kennan, who's seeded number two. So these are the quarterfinals. Now let's talk about the quarterfinalists. 
I mean, first up, we have Ashley Barty, the world number one. She has not played since February 28th of 2020. That is basically a year ago. That's crazy. But she's doing really well. She's looking solid. She had a good win over Buskova to get to the corner finals. So I think it's this break might have been good. Yeah, I mean, also playing in her home country to start off is also probably um, a good a good way to kick off her return. Our next quarterfinalist who will be playing Barty in the quarterfinals is Shelby Rogers, who's also doing great. So we've talked about her a few times on the podcast um, because she's always a capable who's play a, a player who's capable of pulling off upsets. We saw her do really well at the U.S. Open. Um, she in the Yara Valley Classic beat Fiona Farrow in the first round, and then Petra Martic in the round of sixteen, who's also both of them tough players. So I definitely think that Shelby Rogers is someone who is capable of challenging Ash Barty, um, especially because she's known to pull off those upsets every now and then. Definitely a lot of Americans in the quarterfinals here. I mean, next up we have Danielle Collins. She is known to do well in Australia. She reached the Australian Open semifinals in 2019, and she pulled off an upset over Karolina Pliskova to reach the quarterfinals. So definitely good stuff from her. And as Josephina said, we have another American, Serena Williams, who will be facing Collins in the quarterfinals. Serena Williams is looking pretty fantastic from her first couple of matches. People have been saying that she's like, um, she's playing really dominant. She's, you know, looking fresh, ready for the new season. I, when I saw like the pictures from her first match back, because the Australian Open time, like the Australian matches time difference is like so difficult for us because like we can't like watch nearly as many matches we usually are able to it's so like a full I, day ahead yeah it's so like so when confusing. i wake up when i have to when i wake up i like have to catch up and on everything while eating breakfast so i was scrolling through twitter and i saw pictures of serena and her outfit and her hairstyle are giving me such vintage serena williams vibes which like i don't know seems like a pretty good sign to me um but yeah, she's been playing great. She defeated Gavrilova and Perankova en route to the quarters. Um, her opponent, Danielle Collins, who we just talked about, the two of them have never played each other before. So this will definitely be an interesting first meeting. Um, and I'm just going to say the big question for Serena going into this um, Australian swing is not only how she feels and how she plays at this tournament, um, but also what this means for the Australian Open because... You know, she's reached these major finals, a bunch of major finals in the past few years, but hasn't won number 24. And could this be the one, you know, maybe too soon to say now, but that's always what we were looking out for, for Serena in the Grand Slams, especially after her good performance at the U.S. Open and then unfortunately having to withdraw from Roland Garros. So uh, only time will tell. Uh, next up on the quarterfinal list, we have Vondrasova. She's coming off of a tough three-set win over Zvonareva, 6-4, 6-7, 6-4. And we never know what to expect from her. She's also playing, a, a facing off a player who had a very close match in the last round also. Yep, and that player is Nadia Podoroska. So obviously we recall her run to the Roland Garros semifinals. Um, very big for her, for Argentina, um, for tennis. 
Uh, and the close win that she's coming off of is over Petra Kvitova, 5-7-6-1-7-6. So third set tiebreak. So that's a huge win for Nadia. It's her second top 10 win. It was a very high quality match. I believe Diego Schwartzman was there cheering Nadia on, which is also awesome. We love to see it. It's also, it's so cool because like all six of these tournaments are taking place in the same venue, like within Melbourne Park where the Australian Open takes place. So it's also, I think Josephina said this during the US Open, it's like a massive tennis, like summer camp for all exactly. these tennis players. I just, there's some things like about, especially tennis during the summer, there's just some like amazing vibes that it gives off because I mean, it's just the, like the focus here is tennis and all these players devote their life to playing tennis. I just think it's so amazing that they all have this common interest that they get to share under basically one roof. Yeah, and it's also awesome to see them cheering each other on, you know? Like, um, I think that that's also great, especially because they're coming out of, you know, two weeks in quarantine. Um, So it's always great to see that. Back to Podoroska, though. So she's facing Vondrosova in the quarterfinals. I definitely think that she has a chance here. Um especially because she played so solid versus Petra Kvitova. I think she does have the upset, uh, does have the ability to upset Vondrosova and make it to the semis. Next up, we have one of our favorites, Muguruza. She hasn't dropped more than three games in her matches. She's facing Sofia Kennan next, and this will be a rematch of last year's Australian Open final, and we're coming up on the anniversary of that. Muguruza said looking forward to facing her again and try to turn the score around excited because it was a match that I think we both played well and she ended up getting her opportunities I'm looking forward to facing the top players so definitely a positive attitude going in yeah and then lastly Sophia Kennan um like Serena Kennan is someone that the two of us are definitely watching pretty closely particularly for her grand slam potential because as we always mention on the podcast she dominated the slams last year so it will be interesting to see how she does she hasn't had as easy of a road to the quarterfinals as her opponent Muguruza did um because uh Kennan battled a tough three-set win over Jesse Pagula um, five seven seven five six two, and Pagula actually had a two and zero head to head record against Kennan. So, um, a tough win, but against a high quality opponent, and uh, definitely probably adds to her confidence going to the Muguruza match, knowing that um she had a losing head to head record to her before and was able to get her first win against Pagula. Definitely, so, yeah. yeah, definitely a lot of top names in this tournament. I mean, it's a tournament that people including us have been looking out for because it's been providing a lot of good like entertainment and good matchups yeah if there's anything i would add um i would i i I just think we should take a second to talk about venus williams for a bit she lost to kvitova in the second round but everyone was talking about how well she was playing because you know that's why we want to mention her because um, this was a particularly high-quality match. The two of them have had many tough matches in the past, too, and this was, you know, just another one of those. But the reason we kind of want to take a second to add in this piece about Venus is because that performance is really promising, especially given that her 2020 wasn't, you know, as successful as maybe um, previous years, where she's recently actually reached um, a few slam finals and gone deep in them. So I think that this was a pretty good way to start off the year. I mean, facing Petra Kvitova in the second round of any tournament is kind of brutal. Um, 
so if we had to pick kind of like one player who's out of the tournament now but looks super promising um, in terms of performance, I think that this is a great sign for Venus. So next up on the tournament list, we have Melbourne 1, but the ATP version, the Great Ocean Road Open, the ATP 250 event taking place from February 1st to February 7th, and the 2020 champion or last year's champion is Andre Rublev, who is not participating this year because he's in the ATP Cup, which we will discuss later. David Goffin, the world number 14 and the first seed for this tournament ended last season as in 2020 with five straight losses so definitely not one of his most solid years but I mean his first tournament of 2021 was Antalya and he only lost to the eventual champion Alex Demonor in the semifinals so definitely promising going into 2020 however he did already lose to someone who we will discuss in a bit yeah, our uh, number three seed is Hubert Hurkacz, um, world number 29. Obviously, he's coming off of the Delray Beach title where he defeated Sebastian Corda in the finals. A note uh, about Corda, um, he recently entered the top 100 and he's now going to be at number 88 after he won his second challenger title um, in France. So big stuff for Corda. He's definitely doing super well here and Kind of honestly making making the a good decision not to come and qualify for the Australian Open because he seems to be having a ton of success on the Challenger Tour at the moment too. Next up, we have the fourth seed, Yannick Sinner, who is the world number thirty six. I just I think it's cool that any nineteen year old is a fourth seed in a tournament. I don't know why, but just the label kind of fits because I mean fourth seed in an ATP two fifty that's saying a lot. His last tournament was Sofia in 2020, which was also his first title. So definitely good stuff going into this tournament. Also, I feel since the ATP Cup is going on at the same time as this, and we've heard so much about Team Italy recently, I think it would be so cool to see Sinner on the Team Italy. I think he would make a great contribution. Yeah, and to to all the people on tennis Twitter who... uh... I've been interacting with the past couple of days because I run our Twitter account. Um, don't worry, we're going to spend a good amount of time in a bit talking about Team Italy because I know uh, they they were quite the topic of conversation, um, especially a particular player on that team. Anyways, I want to talk about Carlos Alcaraz. He's the world number 146 this kid is 17 years old. He's born in 2003. He literally could be in my grade in high school. Um, but he won five titles last year, two ITF titles, three challengers. Um, and he's in Melbourne because he qualified for the main draw of the Australian Open. So we're going to see even more of him. But the reason we want to highlight him, especially in this tournament, is because he just took out the number one seed, David Goffin, 6-3, 6-3 in the second round. And it's important to note that Carlos Alcaraz was one of those players in hard quarantine. Um, if you saw his social media, he was one of the players, like, I really appreciated the players who did this, keeping such a great attitude, um, updating fans daily and kind of like what he was doing in his hotel room and stuff. So that positive attitude definitely paid off. This is a big one for him. Next up, we have the second Melbourne tournament for the men, the Murray River Open, also taking place from February 1st to February 7th. This is 
all a uh, new ATP 250, which is only to be held this year because of all the schedule changes. Once again, starting off with the first seed, we have Stanilis Warinka. I don't know why I said it like that, but Stan Warinka, you've heard of him. He's Stan the man. He's the world number 18, and he made it to the Australian Open quarterfinals last year. But other than that, a pretty meh season. But just considering his results in this tournament so far, he's looking pretty solid. Our number three seed is Felix Ogeliasim, number 21 in the world. Um, he had a pretty up and down 2020, uh, after his Cologne one final, um, after losing that, he had a pretty rough season. Obviously we don't want to forget his doubles title at the Paris masters. That was pretty epic. Um, but you know, so far he's kind of cruising in this tournament. He beat his, he, he won in the last round six, three, six, one in those early rounds. So maybe he could make a bang here. Next up, we have the 13th seed, Nick Kyrgios, currently the world number 47. And let me just start off with, oh my god, he's back. I'm so happy. It's been too long. It has. Just like Barty, actually, his last tournament was in February. Maybe it's an Australian players being cautious thing, but definitely hats off because all his reasons for not playing so far have been valid and he's been handling his return super well so far and winning his matches with tiebreakers. His next opponent is the fourth seed in this tournament, Borna Koric, and this should be an interesting match. Yeah, especially because if you know anything about Nick Kyrgios and Borna Koric, you'll probably know that the two of them have a little bit of beef. Um, I believe around the Adria tour, they had some interactions over Twitter with each other. Um... Something about, like, Borna Chorich making fun of Nick Kyrgios for, like, drinking wine or, like, something like that. And then Nick Kyrgios being like, you're one of, you're literally the most boring player on the tour. I don't know. But, um, I'm sorry, but Nick Kyrgios is, like, burns are so entertaining. They really are. I so, think he called someone a bagel one time or something like that. Like a donut. I don't even know. Okay. He's definitely not afraid to speak his mind. Um, but yeah, that'll be an interesting match. So the next tournament that we're going to talk about is the Melbourne 2 tournament on the WTA side, which is the Gippsland or Gippsland Trophy. It's a WTA 500 event. You'll notice that the ATP tournaments, both of them are 250s. All three of the WTA ones are 500s, which is kind of why we're taking a little bit of a deeper dive into the WTA ones. But then we're going to talk about the ATP Cup in depth in a bit. But basically looking at Melbourne 2 on the WTA side, we have our quarterfinal set. We have Simona Halep, the number one seed, versus Ekaterina Alexandrova, the number ninth seed. Kaya Kanepi, who is unseeded, versus Karolina Muhova, the eighth seed. Elise Mertens, the seventh seed, versus Elena Svitolina, who's uh, the third seed. And then Irina Camelia Begu, who is unseeded, versus Naomi Osaka, who is the second seed. So starting off with Halep, the first seed, we last saw her at the French Open, so it's definitely been a while, but she's looking pretty solid so far. She took out Sigmund in the round of 16, and also to remember her previous um, ventures in the Australian Open swings, or Australian court swings, she reached the Australian Open finals just two years ago, so it will be interesting to see how she does this year. And also, just speaking within the terms of this tournament she definitely has a good path to get to the final where she could potentially play Naomi Osaka 
Yeah. Um, Simona Halep will be facing Ekaterina Alexandrova, the big-hitting Russian, who pulled off the upset over Iga Swiatek in the round of 16, 6-4, 6-2, to reach the quarterfinals. So, um, two things to unpack here. Firstly, this upset. So, I think that, you know, we're going to talk about Iga Swiatek in a bit, but obviously a really great win for Alexandrova. She's one of those players who, when she's, you know, in her groove, she has a lot of potential because she is one of those big hitters. Um, So I think that that upset is really big momentum going into her quarterfinal match, but also her game in general, being a power player, it's going to be interesting to see how she matches up against Simona Halep, who kind of specializes in, you know, um, counterpunching those types of players. So we'll see. That match should be interesting, but I think it's very promising to see Alexandrova kind of um, doing well in these tournaments more and more often. Next up, we have definitely an interesting player, Kanepi, who is unseated. She's from Estonia, and she's always a dangerous yet unpredictable player. Her career high is number 15. She reached the U.S. Open quarterfinals in 2017, is, is also a quarterfinalist, at the French Open and Wimbledon. So what's notable about her is that she defeated Arena Sabalenka, somebody who we thought would never be defeated again. In the second round, I mean, uh, Sabalenka was on that amazing win and title streak, and this girl takes her out 6-1-2-6-6-1. I think that's just crazy. And she backed up that win after with a victory over Kasatkina. So Kanepi has some good matches in the book going into the quarterfinals. And she faces Mutrova next. Yeah, so Muhova reached the round of 16 at the U.S. Open, but nothing, like, no real major results since then. But she, nevertheless, is a player that's definitely on the rise, and she defeated Katie McNally and then Jen Paolini in a three-set match to reach the quarterfinals. Um, so she faces a tough task with Kanepi, and I think we might be seeing another upset on the break. Next up, we have Elise Mertens, another one of our favorites. She got her first win over Carolina Garcia in the round of 16, so definitely going into the quarterfinals with some good momentum. Someone She is someone who had a very solid 2020. Her last tournament was Linz, where she reached the final. Yeah, and Mertens is playing Alina Svitolina, who, might I add made some elite TikToks during quarantine. She knows the TikTok game. I think Coco Goff and Katie McNally also had some Their amazing content TikToks. has been so up. Like, yeah. did, remember Coco Goff's, like, day in quarantine thing? Yeah, that was really that good. That was so good. She also did the... You know the the TikTok trend that's, like, the like the, the Michael Jackson da-da-da song? Like, the... I think I know what you're talking about, but I don't know why, but the image of... She and Katie McNally made some yeah. really funny ones. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That was good. There's a few tennis players on TikTok. I know Selena is awesome. Christy on sometimes posts. McNally is good. Golf is good. Naomi Osaka is like on TikTok, but she doesn't post that frequently. Serena Taylor Williams Fritz. Also. Oh yeah, Taylor Fritz is on TikTok, and like some of his TikToks have been honestly decent. I just think he should post more on it. Oh, Gael Monfils, obviously, if we're talking oh, about Spidalina. Yes. yes, Zuzu Bergs, but he's kind he of... He has some yeah. good TikToks. 
Yeah. Anyway, back to uh, back to the Melbourne tournaments. Elena Svitolina. So it's nice, honestly, to see her, you know, getting deep in these tournaments. She had a kind of rocky 2020-ish, um, like a mediocre one. So to get to the quarterfinals here, she defeat Petkovic, and then she defeated Ostapenko in three tight sets. Um, so the score was 6-7, 6-3, 6-2. But again, facing Elise Mertens, who we consistently referred through during our Western and Southern Open episodes as a dark horse, uh, Svitolina definitely has her work cut out for her. Um, going on to the next round or set of matches, we have Begu, who pulled off an amazing upset over Joanna Conta in the round of 16. She saved two match points. The score for that was 4-6. 7-6 where they went to 10 in the tiebreak and 7-6 again. She's coming off of two three-setters versus Sosnovich in the second round and she also took out the 11th seed Zhang Sai Sai in the first round. She was also Halep's hitting partner in the Adelaide during quarantine so that's something just a little interesting note to shove in there. Yeah they're both Romanian so um, and I think they're good friends too so I think Halep uh, decided to pick her as her partner. But Begu will be playing against Naomi Osaka. So she's looking pretty good. I am absolutely in love with her outfit. Um, she looks amazing on court. She's wearing like an all-white dress. Which the is like, shoes! You know, the shoes, too. Ugh, everything's just perfect about her. Also, <laughs> in her exhibition match versus Serena, which she lost in, but it's an exhibition, so it like literally doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> she was wearing a crop top, which was so cute. She was wearing like a, a black crop top. Crop top. Wait, was it black? Yeah. And then I don't know her outfit. I think she was wearing leggings right with it. Yeah, yeah, just, it was so also, good. Her line with Nike is just Chef's kiss. I know. Yeah. Ugh, amazing. She's so multi-talented. She's also, like, racking up sponsorships every other day. <laughs> yep. Like, I think she recently became an owner of some uh, women's soccer team. <laughs> oh, um, no big deal. <laughs> no big deal. Um, Just but anyway. a normal day in Naomi Osaka's life. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anyway, um, Osaka took out in her first match in this tournament. She defeated Elise Cornet pretty handedly, 6-2, 6-2, which is certainly a significant win because, as we know, Cornet is a very tricky player. She faced a scare in her last round versus Katie Boulder, who defeated Coco Gauff in round two and who I think, well, we think, we believe, uh, is also okay. dating Alex Stevenor. Um, but nevertheless, Osaka managed to pull through in three sets, three, six, six, three, six, one. So I think Naomi Osaka is 100% the biggest hitter in her half of the draw. The other three players are Begu, Lilina, and Mertens. But again, we should keep an eye out for Begu because as we said with Kanepi, um, Begu definitely has upset potential here, uh, considering how she's been playing. And it'll depend on whether, you know, Begu can kind of keep up her form from the past couple of matches or if the three three set matches in a row um, will catch up to her physically. So again, just to like a little roundup, uh, something to highlight in this tournament is Sviatek's upset. So Iga definitely had a lot of pressure going into the Australian Open and has, I meant, has a lot of pressure going into the Australian Open, had a lot of pressure going into the Australian Open tournament swing. So it will be um, 
key to see how she recovers from her early exit in this tournament and how she regroups for the Australian Open. I know she definitely talked about before, I think after her French Open win, how her mental game is one of her strongest. So I think regrouping won't be a problem for her. Especially because she she has that sports psychologist who she works with. So Mm -hmm. um, I think I, I agree with you. So lastly, we have the Grampians Trophy, Melbourne 3, the WTA 500 made for the hard quarantine players. Only 32 players are part of the main draw, so definitely not a big tournament, but not one that we should ignore. Yeah, I think it's pretty awesome that the WTA put this together like last minute for these hard quarantine players and kind of made an accommodation for them. Um, So that's definitely nice. Now, one of the players who was supposed to play in this tournament, Bianca Andreescu, withdrew. Now, we haven't seen Bianca Andreescu play a match in over a year. I believe the last time she played a match was at the WTA Finals in 2019. Um, Miss Ma'am, where are you hiding? (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, yeah, she, she hasn't hit the tennis court in a hot sec, but... Um, she's been injured a bunch, and she withdrew from this tournament. Honestly, like, given how injury-prone she is, I guess it's better that she withdrew <laughs> injury from prone. this. Injury-prone. I know so, quite a bunch about that. Oh, yeah. Oh, goodness. Just wait. Let me... I'll, I'm going to finish this thing up about Bianca, and then you're going to share your little injury story. <laughs> okay. Um, she is very injury-prone, so I think that it's honestly, like, a safer decision to keep her healthy like, totally healthy going into the Grand Slam that's coming up rather than, you know, risking anything prior to that. Especially since, like we were saying, this tournament is for hard quarantine players, and, like, being in that confined space, not being able to actually stretch out on the court, I think also that's another thing that could, like, make injuries more likely, you know what I mean? Because they haven't really tested out their tennis muscles. Yeah. So, Josephina, you want to fill us in? quickly about your uh i'm not sure how i managed to do this but i did so two months ago i sprained my right ankle so you would think oh that ankle is prone to re-injury right you should watch out for that and i was like yeah i'm taking care of it i'm wearing a brace every time i play tennis boom two weeks ago what do i do i injured the left one (laughs) I don't even know what I'm doing wrong. Maybe I forgot how to walk. Maybe I forgot how to run. But um, I'm working on it. <laughs> I don't yeah. even know what to say about it. <laughs> um, in terms of where we are right now in the Grampians Trophy, the round of 16, which is really just the second round, has been set up. And some notable results from the first round so far are, uh, I'll just kind of list out a few. So Layla Fernandez defeated Sloan Stevens. Bethany Maddox-Sands defeated fellow doubles specialist Barbara Streetseva. Marta Kosciuk and Barbara Krejcikova are both through. And then Ann Lee and Sarana Kristea are also into the second round. And these two players have both had some great success on the ITF tour the past few months. And some notable matches that are coming up. They're all really entertaining. Uh, we have first up Sakari, the fifth seed, versus um, Leila Fernandez. The second match is Anjabur versus Angelique Kerber, the eighth seed. Next, we have Azarenka versus Putinseva. 
And finally, we have Brady, the seventh seed, versus Marta Kostiuk. So that is definitely, well, that's going to be a good one. Yep. So we're going to go into our last tournament here, ending it with a bang, the ATP Cup. I feel like people have, like, a lot of mixed feelings about this tournament. A lot of people hate hate the ATP Cup. They miss, like, the Hopman Cup where it was, like, ATP and WTA players, which I 100% agree with. Like, I don't understand. Like, like we can, like, we have the Labor Cup, we have the Davis Cup, and we have the ATP Cup. They could make the ATP Cup. Well, the Labor Cup is a whole different story. But they, I, I definitely think that the ATP Cup should be amended to be more like the Hopman Cup where it was both, um, both tours together. But, um... Nonetheless, I personally still always get excited about the ATP Cup. So just to give a little rundown, because it can get quite confusing. So it's this year, it's 12 countries. So that means 12 teams. Usually it's 24, usually as in just last year. But because this year has special circumstances, it will be 12 countries, 12 teams. There are four groups, A, B, C, D. And there are round-robin matches within those groups to decide who makes it to the semifinals, then the finals, then the winner. So, pretty interesting stuff here. So, first up, we have Group A, consisting of Serbia, Germany, and Canada. Team Serbia, the first group in the group standings, are the defending champions of the ATP Cup. World number one Novak Djokovic headlines the team, and same, he has the same team as last year, except for Filip Krajinovic, the world number 31, making his debut. Djokovic alone and in doubles was undefeated last year, so that is definitely an important thing to note. That is quite... Well, he was undefeated all year last year, almost. Almost. Until, until Almost. some, oh my goodness, until, I, I have a funny story. So there was recently news that the Australian Open will be using Hawkeye Live or like whatever, electronic line calling um, for the entire tournament. And as you know, Djokovic is kind of like considered like the king of the Australian Open. Um, I thought you were going to so, say the king of Hawkeye Live. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, I, I said something like, a lot of people were saying something like this, like, Djokovic must be having like a sigh of relief now that he knows that it'll be Hawkeye Live and not, you know, actual line umpires there. Oh, so um, that's that's probably comforting to him. The second group, um, the second team, sorry, in Group A is Team Germany. They're in second place in the group standings. We have uh, world number one Alexander Zverev leading the team. Unfortunately, that individual is still on the tour. Um, and then our doubles team is Kravitz and Mies, who are a pretty successful doubles team. They reached the ATP Finals um, in 2020. Two and, years uh, in a row. Certainly, yeah, two years in a row. Uh, they're certainly a uh, an asset to Team Germany, and then we have Team Canada, which we were rooting for in this in this group. They're unfortunately third in the group standings. Um, they they're they've been eliminated because they were already defeated by Germany and Serbia. Denis Shapovalov was headlining the team, and he played Djokovic on uh, the first day, um, and you know that was a pretty solid match. And then Milos Raonic was the second person, world number fifteen. Felix Ogier-Aliassime couldn't participate unless he only played doubles because he is, like, the third-ranked Canadian, but he didn't want to do that, so he's playing in Melbourne, too. So we definitely are missing the FAA and Chapeau 
uh, Chapel Delibles team, but um, sadly, Team Canada is out of the out of the contention now. But let's talk about Group B, which is Australia, Spain, and Greece. First up, we have Team Australia. They are first in the group standings. They were semi-finalists last year. Deminor and Millman, the Australians number one and two, are leading the field. They defeated. They were defeated by Spain 3-0, but they defeated Greece 2-1. Last year, the Demon-Kyrgios duo was bringing all the hype. I remember that doubles match that they played that they ended up on the floor after. But since Kyrgios sat out for most of the season last year, his ranking fell and he didn't qualify for the single spots. So like Felix, he opted to play in the Melbourne 2 tournament. And then next up, we have Team Spain, the second group in the group standings in Group B. That was a lot of the word of the use group. Oh goodness, that wasn't a sentence. Anyways, Spain was last year's finalist. Roberto Bautista Gut was undefeated last year so that definitely contributed to their being finalists rafael nadal was meant to headline team spain but pulled out due to a back strain so despite the world number twos leaving the team team spain still took a 3-0 win over australia and they still have yet to play the third team in the group so i think good stuff from them considering the fact that they were abandoned no, I'm kidding. It was an injury. I can't say that. Team Greece is third um, in the group, so it's featuring the Tsitsipas brothers, Stephanos and Petros, as well as Pervolarkis, uh, Michael Pervolarkis. Um, they lost to Australia. Um, only Stephanos won his match versus Demonar, but, you know, I think people... It, the Team Greece is kind of, like, um, inherently at a disadvantage only because they have only one high-ranked player on their team, but it's always a fun experience to see um, Team Greece together too, because they definitely are a very close group of uh, group of players. So moving on to the next group, we have Group C, consisting. Get of- excited, guys! Oh, Get God. excited! Oh God! Here we go. <laughs> consisting of Italy. Austria and France. So first up in the group standings, we have Italy. They were one of the first teams to qualify for the semis this year because they already beat all the teams in their group. So the number world number 10, Matteo Berrettini, oh God, is the top player in the Team Italy field. After a not-so-good 2020 season, Matteo comes back and takes out the world number three, Dominic Thiem. And Gail Mumphies. Exactly, because Matteo is undefeated in all his matches so far, including two singles matches and one doubles. So, I... Uh, I here as, we go. As our resident Matteo Berrettini fan, I promised, you know, I tweeted something like, about our new episode i promised we would dedicate time for him and this was after he had just beaten team after he won his doubles match and defeat mom feast like come on we got we ha- we just have to talk about him and the reason i want to talk about him is because josephina and i talked about this a lot in our previous episode matteo berrettini had an amazing 2019 he had a terrible 2020 like i'm sorry like i'm a fan of his but like he did not have a very good 2020 would you would you agree i think 
I think I would have to agree with that. Yes, I guess I will agree with that. <laughs> um, and, you know, the only reason he's kind of still in the top 10 is because of those 2019 points. But he came back and took out Dominic Team, which is obviously huge. He was playing amazingly. Uh, the Mumphis, uh match especially had some great rallies, too. I would highly suggest those highlights. But I'm personally, as a Berrettini fan, very happy to see him playing well. Um, and there was no shortage of fun Berrettini, funny Berrettini content on Twitter during his Provided uh, ma- by the Hold On To Your Racket Twitter account. Well, also, like, other people, too. Like, I gotta say, my tweets were kind of, like, funny, but, like, other people were also, like, really doing a good job. Um, I'll read out a few of the, of our favorites, so. Oh, goodness, here we go. Take your popcorn, so, kids. So, I tweeted this, <laughs> I tweeted because I was watching on Tennis Channel and they were showing the Djokovic Shapovalov match, I tweeted, Tennis Channel, we know Nole is number one and Dennis is amazing, but Mateo is currently ending his flop era. Could you please showcase this historic moment? <laughs> and then I tagged the International Tennis Hall of Fame um, in that tweet because I was like, they should, you know, include this in their, uh, in their um, exhibition at some point because this is a big moment for Mateo. Then I said, um, I believe this was in the Monfils match, um, the second that Mateo made it 5-3 in the second set, literally church bells started ringing outside of my house because it was, like, right as, like, it hit the hour. Are you suggesting the moment was holy? (laughs) Yes! It definitely was. It had to have been. Um, So I tweeted in all caps, church bells ringing outside my window just as Mateo makes it 5-3. Definitely a holy moment there. And then lastly, to round it all up, I would say, I'm going to read this out. Mateo, these past two days has been amazing. Two very high quality wins. Excited to see how he carries this momentum. Our vaccine king deserves only the best. So um, I would say that, you know, Josefina isn't like, she's like indifferent about Mateo Berrettini. She knows I'm a huge fan. Let's just say I'm a... Matteo fan fan. I'm a fan of Shravia. Let's just put it that Aww, way. So I support yes. what she supports there. I like that. Wait, do you want to... Sh- oh, wait. I think we should share um, a funny... Uh, Anecdote? Mateo- yes. Okay, take it away. So, Josephina and I, as, as I said, uh, we play tennis together. So, and like, we know each other's favorite players. We, we, know, we know everything. So, we were serving... Um, and, like, a coach was, like, sitting by our court. He was, like, watching us serve and, like, helping us out with stuff. And then I was serving, and, like, I do this, like, weird thing with my serve. Like, I just, like, can't. Like, we were, like, never actually taught how to serve properly. (laughs) If any tennis coaches are listening to this, can you, like, please teach your students how to serve? Because, like, we literally never learned. (laughs) um, I don't know where I learned how to serve. I just knew it had to go up and into that little box in the corner. Yeah. Maybe this is why Sophia Kennan doesn't look at her ball toss, because the United States just does not have adequate serving education. <laughs> I think that's what's, I think that's what's the problem here. Oh, God. Here. Taylor Fritz hit a reverse serve today, so it's definitely something. I saw that. I saw that, and I was like, what the heck? Like, I know underhand serves are a thing, but what did he just do? Yeah. So, anyway, we were serving, and I was did this weird thing with my hand, and my, like, our coach was like, Shravia, what are you doing with your, like, why is your serve so weird? And I was like, I don't know. How do I fix it? 
And then the coach was like, no, you don't need to fix it. Matteo Berrettini does the same thing with his serve, so the I mean, it's all right. The the speed at which I whipped my neck around to make we eye contact. We whipped our necks around. With Shravia. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We burst out laughing, and everyone on our court was like, what are these two girls laughing about? And then we had to explain how I have a like intense fan fan appreciation for Matteo Berrettini. But that's enough about Team Italy, Berrettini, <laughs> Is it American ever Serving Education. Is it really ever enough? No, just just look at our Twitter account again once he starts playing. You'll see more content there. But let's let's move on to the second group, uh, the second team in this group, which is Austria. So obviously reigning U.S. Open champion Dominic Team, um, and the Austrian world number one is the player to beat there, except he did lose to Berrettini, as we said. Um, and accompanying him is world number 100, Denis Novak, which is kind of funny because Denis Shapovalov was playing Novak Djokovic. Um, so Denis Novak defeated Fognini on day one, team fell to Berrettini, um, and since, of the, since uh, Italy has already qualified, Austria is out for the count for this group. And lastly in this group we have France. So the French team was quite star-studded. They included Gaël Monfils, the world number 11, Benoit Paire, and legendary doubles player Nicolas Mahout. So I thought they definitely had potential. But unfortunately, when facing Italy, both Benoit and Gaël fell, but the French doubles team survived, which was good. Uh, pretty sad what happened to them, but, I mean, Shravi got your team Italy win, so... <laughs> Moving I mean, Italy on. has a has a decent amount a decent amount of players coming up too, and Josephina and I are big fans of them as well. So we were talking about this earlier about like if the ATP Cup had the normal amount of people, we might have been able to see probably Berrettini, Fognini, Sonego, Sinner, and Musetti. Josephina and I are huge fans of Yannick Sinner and Lorenzo Musetti as well. So like the Team Italy is where is that? Team at. Italy youngsters are just. They're so, I just, you know what? It's the Gen Z podcasting thing. Exactly. All right, let's take, let's round it out with our last group. So group D, we have Russia, Argentina, and why did I say Spain? (laughs) She, (laughs) because I was about to say Russia, Argentina, (laughs) Japan, because my my uncle's from Argentina, so he taught me to say it like that. <laughs> Nadia, Diego, and Delpo would be proud. Yes, they would. So, Team Russia is in first place. They've already qualified for the semifinals. And literally, like, what more can we expect with them having Medvedev and Rublev on the same team? Two top ten players. Both of them are undefeated in signal- singles. Um... And their doubles team, however, was defeated both times when they played Argentina and Japan. So they're through into the semis. Argentina is in second place, so Diego Schwartzman was the lead player. Um, he fell to Medvedev for the second time, um, you know, the first time, or the most recent time, being at Nito. Um, and the doubles team of Zabayos and Gonzalez was successful against Russia. And lastly, we have Team Japan, the third team in the group standings here in Group D. The world number 57, Yoshihito Nishioka, was joined by former world number 5, Kei Nishikori, this year. I thought this team had the potential to be very successful. I'm not really sure what went wrong. I mean, Nishioka's a great <laughs> player. 
And mm-hmm. Nishikori, of course, he's low-key legendary, so... Yeah, I think part of it is because Nishikori is still kind of finding his way back from injury, too. That's true. But also, like, when you have Andre Rublev as your second position, like, your second-ranked <laughs> singles player so right. on Team Russia, like, you literally, like, within this group, it's impossible to win a second singles match like number two singles match but just as argentina did japan fell to russia in all matches except the doubles so you know what at least they have the doubles pride in them exactly all right so (laughs) one approximately one hour later we have recapped well not recapped we've like caught you up caught ourselves up (laughs) on all the tennis uh tennis action this past week um, honestly, if you couldn't tell, I mean, by our, by our discussion of this, we're super excited about this. It's so great to have so much live tennis back. It's so great to see fans in the stands as well in Australia. Um, so yeah, we're looking forward to more tennis action and looking forward to covering it all for you. Yup, a doodle do. Cut that out. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, and that is game, set, and match for today. If you like this episode, please let us know and stay tuned for more. We'll be providing you all the coverage of the Australian Open and, of course, all the tea on tour. Email us at holdontoyourracket at gmail.com for any questions and leave a rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Hold On To Your Racket is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on social media at Hold On To Your Racket on Instagram and at H-O-T-Y-R underscore Tennis Pod on Twitter. Our next episode will be released in a couple days where we will preview the Australian Open. And remember, my name is Josefina. And my name is Shravya. That is, if you enjoyed this episode. If you didn't like it, please tell your friends my name is Ben and Shravya's name is Harry. See you next time.